Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Eli Goldstein, uh, CEO and co-founder of Sky Cool Systems. And the website is skycoolsystems.com. So Eli, how are you doing? Uh, doing great. How are you? Good. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, yeah I saw a uh, TED Talk uh, from Sky Cool, and I saw an article about them recently. So, um, But you know, we'll let you reveal what, what you guys do. Can you just uh, you know, briefly sketch out for listeners what is Sky Cool about? Because it's pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, so we make a, a cooling panel. It goes on your roof and you pump uh, a hot fluid through it and it can cool that fluid passively by sending heat to the sky. And this whole panel is enabled by a special film we've developed that uh, doesn't get hot under the sun and it actually can cool to below the air temperature when it's outside. You know, I, I mean, um, I guess at a, on a basic level, how would that work? You know, if um, it's 100 degrees outside, how could you have a panel that's sitting in the sun, for instance, um, cool below that? Uh, yeah, so that is all related to the actual technology in our film. And it's uh, our films are essentially designed to not ref- not absorb heat from the sun. And so they're essentially very good mirrors. And uh, at the same time, they can emit a certain type of light. It's in the infrared. And that type of light is actually... Uh, transparent to our atmosphere and can go all the way out to space. And so it's essentially like we're using this uh, very cold resource uh, as a heat sink. The cold resource being uh, this, I guess yeah, outer sky. space. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Outer space in the sky. Yeah. yeah. I thought um, when heat transfers, it, it, it quote-unquote like looks locally. You know, if you have um, something hot next and its surroundings are cold, it just it radiates the heat out just locally. But it seems like with your system, um, a panel for some reason is able to, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, see that, you know, beyond the atmosphere, space is a lot colder and radiate certain kinds of heat out there. Um, and maybe I'm understanding it wrong, but how does that, uh, how does that happen? Uh, yeah, great question. So the atmosphere itself is able to not absorb or transmit light of different frequencies. And so it, it turns out that light in the infrared is not absorbed by the sky. And so that uh, effectively goes all the way out to space. And that's where we're able to get those really cold temperatures that we use to cool our panels. You know, the, there are you know, generally three modes of heat transfer. I think most people are co- like familiar with uh, convection and conduction. That's, you know, how wind, when the wind blows, it makes you feel cold. Or when you touch something that's cold, it it feels cold, but uh, the radiation uh, heat transfer mode, which is the third one, is a little bit more abstract because it's not really a visual idea. Um, but you know, you can take light of a certain frequency wavelength, and it yeah, it'll have a different path length in the atmosphere, and and because of properties of the sky, uh, this infrared light actually gets transmitted all the way out to space. So is it uh, just a small part of the infrared spectrum, or is it any infrared that gets uh, radiated out into space? So it's specifically in the 8 to 13 micron wavelength range. 
And that's, I think, one of the biggest atmospheric windows in, in the sky. There are other ones that are there as well. Uh, and you can think of CO2 as, you know, you know, as a greenhouse gas, and that actually is absorbing some, some light uh, from, uh, from there. And that's actually what, what the greenhouse effect is from, is some of that light that gets, you know, uh, emitted from the surface is absorbed by the CO2. So why if, um, you know, if I'm outside on a hot day, why do I just, you know, I feel hot if I'm in the sun, I'm baking. Am I radiating any uh, infrared in that range or, you know, what what controls whether an object radiates infrared in that 8 to, eight to 13 micron range? Uh, yeah, uh, good question. So you are, you are yes, you are absolutely uh, radiating uh, heat in that infrared range. The other part of the equation is the sun. And the sun is putting out enormous amounts of energy and, you know, uh, effectively your, your body's also absorbing that heat. And so on net, you actually feel like you're, you're getting hotter <laughs> because of the sun. Uh, and that's, I think, where the key innovation in our material is, um, essentially that we have a, a material that does not absorb heat from the sun, uh, but it can still emit this infrared light. And so as a result, it, you know, actually will get colder when it's exposed to the sky uh, during the day. Whereas if you took any other material and put it outside, it would, you know, just get hot because it's absorbing some energy from the sun and not not able to emit or not able to emit in the infrared in, in such a way that we're doing. As you change like the energy balance of this material is that it radiates more in that range, the, the sweet spot range, and therefore it cools down if it's exposed exactly. to the sky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is oh. the key. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it all goes down to these, uh, you know, very technical ideas about light and, and how surfaces interact with light of a certain frequency range or wavelength range. So how much, um, you know, in practice, how much cooler will, will um, a substance covered with, uh, with the sky cool system get? Yeah. So, I mean, we've done experiments where we just have our film outside uh, on a, you know, a hot day and it's able to get 20 Fahrenheit below the air temperature. And again, that's just as a passive surface. And if you start to insulate these surfaces, you can get to even lower temperatures. And we, you know, when we were at Stanford um, as postdocs, uh, there were some experiments that were done where we actually built a vacuum insulation chamber and were able to demonstrate, you know, 80 Fahrenheit below the air temperature. So the, the potential it can wow. be quite big. But obviously, the type of system that we're describing was, uh, you know, very well engineered and uh, wouldn't necessarily be practical to have on a house. But um, I think the, the more, more practical applications are the ones that we're going after, where we use our panels as essentially an add-on to air conditioning or refrigeration systems to make them run more efficient. You know, once the, um, the film starts cooling down, I would guess conduction and convection are work, trying to work against it to heat it up again, but it's just able to radiate faster or more heat uh, that yeah. it takes in, right? Yes, that's in part. And then, you know, we also will insulate some of the panels. So there's, you know, little things we can do to prevent wind from heating up our surfaces. So is it going to be possible soon for me to get like a, a shirt and a hat made out of this stuff? Or, you know, clothing <laughs> um, so I can keep cool in the summer? Someday. <laughs> someday. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the challenge with clothing is uh, a little bit different than building materials because then you want to have, you know, materials that breathe and uh, don't you know aren't abrasive against your skin and things like that. But uh, right, yeah, right. I think someday there there definitely will be materials that are can be make make in, in infrared transparent. So tell me, so the commercial applications are your you want to uh, reskin, let's say, uh, commercial air conditioning units with uh, with your materials so that they'll they'll keep cooler and be more efficient. 
Yeah, so uh, one, I think the applications that we're, we're focused on right now uh, are connecting our panels to commercial yeah, air conditioning and refrigeration systems. And so what we can do is essentially uh, either add the panels to an existing system, and we can use them to cool refrigerant out of the condenser. And when, when you do that, you're doing something called subcooling, and essentially you can improve or increase the capacity of the refrigerant. Uh, so what you're doing is you get more cooling per uh, unit of electricity to run the, the refrigeration system. So you can now do more uh, more cooling with less less refrigerant and less uh, electricity. So it just makes it more efficient. Yeah. And so this would be like yeah. going from a, a ten you know a, a ten sphere unit to like a twelve or thirteen sphere unit. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is I know it depends on configuration and you know other items, but is there a ballpark range of efficiency improvement you're getting? Yeah, so I think uh, that would be the the target is you know going up a couple uh, uh, like so let's say ten to twenty percent in efficiency, and so depending on how you characterize it, whether it's in you know EER or SEER, uh, that that's sort of the the ballpark though. Well, that's pretty significant though. It's not like one or two percent. That's a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the the reality is you know when you're using an air cooled condenser in uh, a refrigeration or air conditioning system the systems are always limited by what the air temperature is. And our panels are limited by something that's, you know, fundamentally much colder. And by using the sky as a resource, you know, for cooling, uh, we can actually significantly improve the efficiency of these uh, systems. Hmm. So I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you can explain this or not, or maybe I'm not understanding the concept properly. So not all, um, all heat transfer, you know, conduction, convection, radiation is, is local. Somehow it's, uh, again, I don't know how to describe this right, but how is, um, you know, let's say you have a tarp made of your material and it's, you know, it's laying on top of a building and the atmosphere is, uh, the end of the atmosphere is, I don't know, seven miles away. How does it sense from that distance that there's something colder out there that it could radiate out to or it just radiates and that's where it happens to go? Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just this radiation idea. So it's, it's uh, this light is being emitted that's not visible, and it it comes off of the surfaces, and it's essentially not getting that type of light back on the surface. So uh, mm. it it sends out more heat as this infrared light than it takes in from the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, and then like you're saying, convection and conduction they are extremely local, and so if there's wind blowing, that's you know a way for heat to come into the system or, or out of the system, and then if it's conducting to something, then then it's also some sort of physical contact. The, yeah, the radiation part okay. is, is, yeah, very abstract in a lot of ways. Um, mm. I think, yeah, you can also think about it in terms of a space heater. So if you've ever had um, a space heater, that's also heating you by the, you know, uh, thermal radiation. And so you have a hot source and it's, you know, could be 10, 20 feet away, but you can still feel it. Um, and so it's very much the same thing, but now instead of heating, it's cooling. Okay. Well, very good. Um, so what other uh, commercial applications are you working on? Yeah, I think the the biggest applications that we're focused are, you know, supermarket refrigeration systems, convenience stores, office buildings, and data centers. And I think the the real value proposition that our system can provide is a way to improve the efficiency of the underlying cooling system without having to do, you know, use much electricity and without having to evaporate any water. Um, and so if you look at cooling towers, uh, that's, you know, those are evaporative cooling systems. Uh, they're very common in data centers, and if you you know think about the big tech companies and any one of their data centers, they're using 
hundreds of millions of gallons of water a year, uh, which, you know, is, is staggering. And um, I think, you know, this, our technology is a way to essentially provide cooling for these facilities without evaporating water. And uh, it can do so, you know, both day and night in, in a pretty reliable way. Oh, wow. So how did how did you come up with this idea? What led to its conception? You know, it's um it's it's this idea that's actually been around for ages, and and folks you know have known about it since I guess the first recorded applications of this effect uh, at night were with uh, the Egyptians and an early uh, like Persian civilizations in the Middle East. And essentially, what they did was at night they were able to use this effect to make ice in in, in desert climates. And so they could use this for food storage and, and other things like that. Um, but what they would do is they would oh, wow. make very well insulated buildings that have a uh, ceiling hole, a hole in the ceiling that was essentially exposed to the sky. And it would allow for this type of uh, infrared uh, emission to occur. And again, at night, they were able to get to, you know, below freezing temperatures. And, and this is sort of where the basis of like ice, ice, ice making came from uh, in, in some of these civilizations. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and then, you know, in the 60s and 70s, architects sort of picked up on the idea and, and tried to integrate it into building design. The challenge was, though, that, you know, because this effect really wasn't observed during the day, it, it never really took off in, in like, building design. Because, you know, as you know, most heating, uh, most cooling, you know, is needed during the day, you know, when the sun is out and when, when things are the hottest. And, right. and so it wasn't until a couple of years ago that my colleagues, uh, Ashwath, and uh, Shenwei uh, essentially came up with this optical coating uh, that can be outside and not absorb heat from the sun, but still do this type of infrared emission such that it can cool below the air temperature both, you know, day and night. Oh, okay. What's, uh, you know, like a really audacious goal you feel like you have with the system or you you just, you have a path and this is how you're going and it's great. Yeah, no. Um, so we're right now, yeah, right now we're looking for pilot sites. We're talking with some partners to essentially deploy our panels with commercial air conditioning and refrigeration systems. And, you know, in the next year, we hope to start having, uh, you know, real deployments out there um, where we're, you know, reducing energy use in these systems year round. And the system's just, you know, it's going to be very low maintenance because it's a flat surface that's outside. And so the, you know, only type of, uh, maintenance it will need will be uh, periodic cleaning, so not too dissimilar from a solar panel. Hmm. And so during the day, these systems can still function and cool stuff, but at night, I would think their cooling effect would accelerate tremendously, right? Yeah, you can definitely get to lower temperatures at night. Um, in part, that's just because the air temperature is lower, but it's also because our surfaces are, you know, they do absorb some heat from the sun, uh, but at night, there is no uh, solar heating that they can get to, you know, uh, lower temperatures from that as well. Well, is there any danger in them cooling stuff too much during the night, you know, and causing things to freeze water, you know, trapped water or even um, refrigerant, let's say? Yeah. Um, So we, I mean, we don't put refrigerant through our panels. Uh, What we do do is have water mixed with essentially antifreeze, and that prevents any freezing from occurring in in the panels. Um, And so... Yeah, I, we've definitely done experiments where, you know, we've come up to look at the panels in in the morning and there's, you know, a healthy layer of frost, even though the air temperature never dropped below 32 Fahrenheit. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing uh, to think about. <laughs> so what do you, what other uses do you see for the technology? You know, whether you're using them or not, or it's too much and it dilutes your focus, anything else uh, you see it could be used for? Yeah, I think, you know, there's just a, and a lot of applications that we're, you know, we're not focused on, but you could imagine using it 
in developing applications, in developing world applications where you can use it to keep medicines, uh, you know, containers cold with, with uh, medicine in it. You can use it to, uh, with a thermoelectric device uh, to, to generate electricity. Um, you could use it, you know, for um, combining it with, you know, solar thermal systems to, to generate heat and, and cooling at the same time. I think, you know, the, the sort of the sky is the limit um, with the technology. Yeah, literally. Very good. Yeah, literally, yeah. Right, so yeah. I mean, yeah, but we would, we would like to see this technology anywhere you would have a condenser or some sort of cooling process. And, you know, it's, it's perhaps not something we commonly think about, but uh, there are cooling processes that occur every day in, in you know, almost all of our assets of society. So I think, I think there's a, a good fit in, in, in many of them. Um, you know, you can think about school buses. They often paint the roofs of them white. Um, and that's, again, to prevent some of this solar heating. But if you were to put our film on it, uh, you know, you can get to lower temperatures, perhaps not even need to run air conditioning systems. Um, if you think about the electrification of vehicles, uh, cooling is going to be a huge challenge in, in uh, electric vehicles just because an air conditioner, you know, uses a lot of electricity. Um, when you think about our food network in uh, trucks, uh, refrigerated trucks uh, use, again, enormous amounts of electricity. To run the refrigeration systems, this could be a way to uh, actualize a real, you know, electric uh, refrigerated uh, truck. Um, I don't think that that is currently has not been done yet, <laughs> but I think mm. I think that's definitely going to be uh, something that's on uh, that has to happen, you know, in the next 20 years if, if electrification is of these vehicles is going to be uh, possible. Do you think that um, it, it it will have to be a film, or could it be um, turned into a certain kinds of you know, like particles that can be integrated into other materials so they can become part of the material. And you wouldn't have to have, let's just say, a film over it. Could you integrate it with paint, let's say, or, or other substances? Yeah, I think that is also possible uh, to do. Um, and, and I think, yeah, long-term, there are ways that you can incorporate it into different things, you know, uh, or different surfaces or different materials, like you're saying. Um, I mean, actually, while we were doing research at Stanford, there was another group in our lab under Shen Wei Fen, who uh, essentially was developing uh, a cloth that you could you could do this effect with as well. And so this would be the basic basis of a uh, uh, clothing, you know, clothing that would potentially cool you uh, more when you're outside. Very interesting. All right. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch and to find out more? Yeah, I would say uh, come to our website. Uh, we have a info form, fill it out. And if you give us your email, we can uh, send you periodic updates. And then if you're interested in things like hosting a pilot uh, or in the product itself, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to talk and understand what, you know, what your needs are. And I would just say, send us an email. Uh, our, our email is info at skycoolsystems.com. And our website is uh, skycoolsystems.com. So. Well, that's great, Eli. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. I appreciate your time. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.